0: You're tuning in to the Black Hollywood Live Network. Featuring news, interviews, and commentary on all things Black Hollywood. Hollywood Redefined. From Los Angeles, California. Streaming live thanks to Akamai Technologies. This is Black Hollywood Live. Justice is served. Featuring the week's roundup and commentary on legal news. Black Hollywood Live. Hollywood Redefined. You're listening to And now, the host for Black Hollywood Live, Justice is Served.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to this edition of Justice is Served. Today, another deadly shooting in the South, this time in Mississippi. A mad professor or gun control problem. Next, the prison seamstress Joyce Mitchell says, I'm not a monster, I was just depressed. But will that buy her a better sentence? Then, black widow teen Michelle Carter is charged with manslaughter, involuntary manslaughter, for encouraging her boyfriend's suicide. But will those charges, in fact, stick? And lastly, Damon Wayans writes off the Cosby rape allegation to being a money hustle and in fact calls the accusers unrapable. Is this a skit or a for real? We will discuss on Justice is Serve. My name is Sarah Azari, and I'm your host of Justice is Served. and I'm joined today by my co-host, Chelsea Galicia. Hi there. Hey, Chelsea. All right, uh, let's get going, um, get the show on the road with our most recent news, which broke out on Monday, of another gun gun violence instance of a um, uh, campus shooting, this time in Minnesota. Min- Mississippi, sorry Mississippi, um, at the Delta University, where um, Professor Schmidt was shot and killed in his office by suspect Shannon Lamb, who had earlier in the day um, apparently shot and killed his live-in girlfriend, and uh, and uh, very very tragic story. The motive apparently is unknown. Although I want to talk to Chelsea about that, and um, you know there was a all-day manhunt for for Shannon Lamb, and when the police finally caught up to him, he shot himself and committed suicide so this is now um, in terms of gun violence this is a double homicide ending in a suicide and um, and these lives are taken and you know it seems like every other day we're talking about a similar incident in a theater, in a university, and I don't know in, um, in a school, in a church exactly so um, one of the things I think that's interesting um, immediately people started talking about well maybe there was a love triangle between the, the professor and and the
2: live-in girlfriend. and Do you know anything about motive here, or what might have been... Um, I didn't am, find anything. Done? I didn't find anything. I mean, that's a fun, juicy story, but regardless of why he did it, the fact is, is that he did it, mm-hmm. and this case will sort of be shut and closed, open and closed, because he's killed himself. Right. But is that really the kind of justice that we want in our society? As long as the gunman kills himself... That's just the end of the story?
1: Well, no, it's not the end of the story because we have a serious gun problem in, in, in the U.S., and we've talked about this so much. And, you know, there, there's also reports about this guy. Maybe he was mentally ill because he took a medical leave. Well, not every medical leave uh, has to do with mental illness, First of all, and even if it did, we go back to the discussion you and I had a couple weeks ago, I think with BJ when he was here, where we talked about, you know, how is the university supposed to make the campus safe when they have no knowledge that one of their professors... Is mentally ill. Let's say his mental—I'm sorry. Let's say his medical leave was related to a hernia or something. Right. You know, how's the university supposed to know that this guy might erratically just one day pick up a gun and come and kill another professor? Um, so, I mean,
2: what, what's your take on on campus security when it comes to this type of incident? I mean, yeah. it's just the same as every other public place where we either have to have everyone carrying guns, which I don't. Personally not no right. that. Um, metal detectors every single place, like every place we go to. Can you imagine like having to take your shoes off, getting into the movie theater like you do at the airport? Or trying to get to class in, at a university. Right. So is, is that really how we want to live? And, and that is, the, the question, and I don't want to be accused of being anti-Second Amendment. I am for the Second Amendment, but I'm for the real Second Amendment, the whole thing, including the well-regulated part. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know. I mean, these are tragic, but maybe I, I don't know how many of these have to happen before people start saying, all right, enough of it is enough. The NRA cannot control what happens to the safety of every American because Mm -hmm. we're all subject to this gun violence at any moment. But I also
1: think that when I say we need stricter access to guns, we need stricter gun control laws, I also think that it's more than just the legislation. It needs to be a fundamental change in sort of societal perspective around guns. It's those those. People under the Second Amendment who want to exercise their constitutional right to bear arms, they need to sacrifice that right for the safety, the general safety that we all need, because I, lives I, are being spared. Because here's the deal. If you're a mother and um, you legitimately, you're a single mother, you legitimately want to protect yourself, you want to exercise your constitutional right, you get a gun, you don't have any felonies, you qualify to get a gun, you go through the background test, you are not mentally you know, unsound, you go through all these challenges. And you lock that gun. And somehow, you know, your mentally ill cousin comes and breaks in and takes this gun. I mean, you there's only so much you can control the access by way of legislation even. So I think that it's more of a just a general change in perspective of Americans that, yes, you do have this constitutional right,
2: but but it has become a problem. And I I don't think that there's any sacrifice involved. I think the wording of the Second Amendment regulated, not even just regulated, well regulated. No, but I'm saying that even if it's well regulated, there's still
1: that risk of somebody coming in and and getting access to
2: the gun. But I think it will reduce the numbers. Absolutely will reduce it. Absolutely will reduce it. Yes. So we can't prevent everything, but I think that going in that direction to prevent some of the deaths, I mean, if that's not the government's job to prevent some wrongful deaths, I'm not sure what is, right? Right. So – and, but and again, right. I think
1: to, to, in this case specifically, to blame it on mental illness is you're missing the entire point. It's a complete cop out because we don't even know if this guy was mentally ill. He was actually, you know, uh, considered the cool professor, the one who played the guitar. Everybody wanted to be like him. Yeah, he had some little, you know, quirks, but he's a professor. <laughs> um, so, you know, anyway, uh, all right. Well, we want to hear from you. Yeah. Um, we want to hear your views about gun access, gun control, how that relates to mental illness, please do tweet us. Um, I can be tweeted at Azari Law and Chelsea at Chelsea Galicia. And moving on to our second case um, that we'd like to discuss is that Joyce Mitchell, whom we've talked about at length here, the prison se- seamstress who was behind the escape of the two prison uh, prisoners felons in New York, upstate New York has now um, is now facing sentencing on September 28th. She gave a very interesting interview on the today show to Matt Lauer, and claimed, you know, it was interesting to me, she she sort of brushed her conduct under the, the you know, just swept it under the rug a little bit, minimized the conduct. Um, she seems like a very unsophisticated person, um, but, you know, she talked about bringing in brownies and cookies for these inmates. Um and then she was asked, well, what about the star-shaped drill bits that you brought? And how about those? Yeah. Did they raise a red flag? Like, maybe, you know, why do they want those? Um, and, you know, I have to say, Chelsea, I thought, well, what? Like, is he going to use it in arts and crafts and make cookies uh, and, that and part, holiday
2: cards? That, I mean, that part was very odd. And I, I do agree that she appears naive, unsophisticated. But I think that she w- seemed to take some responsibility. She, was, uh, she said, I was wrong. Mm-hmm. I should be punished. Um, it seems that the reason for this interview is she just wants people to, to, to not view her as a monster. It didn't seem that she was trying to say that, uh, the point the blame somewhere else. No uh that you she know, should you not know what be punished she struck
1: me as she struck me as um you know we've all had those relationships with bad guys that <laughs> later we regret you know and these are really bad guys <laughs> speaking I mean, of bad guys right they're fair i mean they were i, I had no idea yes, high security and so murders. you know and so we you know we we've all had these things we've done that we don't even want to talk about it we don't even want to be reminded of it let alone Interviewed for it on on the Today Show, so of course you know sh- there was a little bit of that. You know she's unsophisticated, she's probably insecure. They gave her attention; it felt good. She got involved, and then she just sort of got stuck and and just got sucked into well, it. Because, she
2: said that she at some point became scared that they threatened her husband's life, who okay, also worked there. And that's there. exactly
1: what doesn't make sense. There's a lot of holes in her story. Um, in that, you know, I don't think I I don't think she's a bad person. I don't think she's a monster. I don't think she's blaming anyone else. She's taking responsibility, but she's minimizing, her, you know, the whole the fact that she says I brought in cookies and brownies, but she leaves out the, the drill bits, the Starship no, she, drill bits.
2: She acknowledged that. Well, Matt
1: Lauer had to bring it up and he had to say, "Well, well did that, that
2: raise?" She was good. At, she had been prepared. She was good at just answering the question the way that I prepare right. my clients for a deposition right. and not to elaborate and include anything else. else yeah. yeah. So she waited for him to bring it Correct. up. Correct. So and, yeah, and he was like, her. "Well,
1: what Didn't That raise a red flag. I mean, that's. The, but that was the funniest she part of the interview. She didn't
2: explain yeah, why she thought she was being asked for right. them because but, but, they only told her what they were for after she had given those right, things. but
1: to I'm them. sorry, but uh, you know, I understand, you know, when you're when you're in prison for a long time, um, you develop a relationship with the in the the guards, the 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 arts and crafts teachers, the the people that you come in contact with on a daily basis. It's hard not to. And even though there's rules set that you're not supposed to cross these lines and you're supposed to keep, you know, cause inmates will manipulate you. They want to get out. They want to get perks yeah. and you got to watch yourself. Um, you know, you got a weak person like her.
2: She's probably having marital problems. She and did say she, she felt like her husband didn't love her anymore, right. which is not an excuse, but it gives you a sense so, of it was just naive. It w- wasn't monstrous. Exactly.
1: Exactly. But the bottom line is, is she's still sort of, in my opinion, um... Played it off, played it down, played it a little bit, um, and I'm not blaming her for it, but, but, it, to me it sounded like that bad guy that you dated that you just don't want to talk about and, and you're minimizing it. You just, you know, it's not comfortable. I, I can't blame her for Well, the, it. the
2: part that seemed bizarre and which was not included in the segment of the interview that aired because there's, uh, the rest of that interview is going to be aired, um, later this week mm-hmm. on another program, but, Uh, apparently there was a part about how it did turn sexual she denied sex to me that's irrelevant to me i mean whether she did or didn't have
1: sex it she assisted in their escape she was the reason why they were able to and i think there were other prison. i absolutely think other prison employees She's trying
2: to claim that none of the the acts which include oral sex were consensual that she was frightened into them right and but there was nobody that she could tell like Hey, right this, and and this you know you're blaming
1: on. the dead inmate. Number 1, he's a felon, so his credibility's at issue. Number 2, he's dead. So and and frankly, who cares if he forced your head on his a penis or you went down there voluntarily? It, to me at this point that's not what matters. What matters is that she really violated the law and 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 assisted two guys leaving the prison and and her story has holes in it because When she says she acted in fear for her husband's safety, to me, it doesn't make sense because then she says that the reason she had the change of heart when she was going to go pick them up when they got out of the prison was because um, uh, they said they were going to kill her husband. And to me, that that contradicts the earlier statement because it's like if they're going to go kill your husband and you're actually going to go pick him up and help him do that, and that sounds like a reward in exchange for you giving him the tools to, to escape. That yeah. doesn't sound – so her story doesn't match up. Again, I don't think she's a bad person. I think she's really unsophisticated, and she's a woman who needed the attention from the wrong people, and she certainly got it. Um, and now she's claiming kind of that she's mentally ill, right? I didn't hear that. Well, she says she's depressed, and she did it because she was in fear. That's one thing. Well, but she's maybe also because, depressed.
2: Maybe because in my mind, mental illness is not one and the same with depression. I think of mental illness as like James Holmes shooting up a. No, a no, and I,
1: I'm not talking about. I'm not talking about legal sanity. I'm talking about any kind of mental health issue, um, and depression is a form of mental illness. And she's saying that she was severely depressed. Um, and what I have as a defense attorney, what I have to say to that is that at sentencing, a judge will absolutely consider mitigating factors and aggravating factors so the aggravating factors here that i would assume the prosecutor is going to raise is that these are two dangerous felons that she assisted she brought in tools i mean she really went overboard and there's probably other prison employees I that mean, she colluded she with. them in
2: by burying them in frozen meat hamburger I mean, meat yeah she I mean, really, she really used about some, yeah
1: she used some sophisticated means to commit this crime so those are aggravating factors and then they look at the defense, the judge will look at the defense and say, okay, well, why would this person do this? And I think what she has going for her is that she's an older lady with – I would assume no criminal history or minimal, if any, she's working in a prison. So I assume it's no criminal history, um, that, you know, she's maybe goes to church. She has a family, she's married, she has kids. These are all mitigating factors. And if in fact she's depressed, you know, I think she needs to walk into the sentencing with documentation. I mean, you and I can wake up one day with the blues and say, we're depressed, you know, uh, just like not, not clinically, but, but just, uh, Figuratively, And I think she needs to prove that she
2: has some diagnosis if, in fact, that's going to be taken into consideration because she's facing up to seven years. Yeah, I, I don't think that there is much of a way to I think she's going to get the full sentence. Uh, I think she's perhaps won some people over in the public uh, to reduce this idea that we have of her as some malicious, crazy woman who is having sex with felons and then helping them escape. Uh, but in the eyes of the law, I, I don't think that there's going to be any way that this will ultimately be uh, mitigated, and she'll serve. And she uh, yeah, sentenced to the whole again, thing. I, I like, don't know if she'll I don't serve think the full sentence. The sex full in the sentence. prison
1: really—I just don't see that as being relevant because, you know, what, what we see in movies with prison guards having sex with inmates—it's true, it happens, and you know, and inmates with other inmates. And I don't think that's as um, and and.
2: You know, I don't think that's what she's going to go away for, really. I think it's it's that she let these guys out. Of course, you it's know? not the same. In, in, in the minds of the public, we mm-hmm. had some idea of her. I know I did. Somebody who was having sexual relationships with felons and then helping them escape. I mean, my idea of And her. they get brownies for it. <laughs> I mean, how great is that? Talk about perks. <laughs> Sex with perks in prison. Right. right. So... so what I'm saying is that it might, it changed my personal idea of her, but it didn't change what I think should happen to her legally. In terms of a sentencing, yes. yes. So I, I think just, she'll be sentenced to the full thing, but probably for good behavior, we'll get out half the time. Well, yeah, that's always
1: the case if it's a nonviolent crime, which technically, even though she let violent felons out, it is a nonviolent crime. Um, she can, uh, she can, she'll do part of her time. But even on the seven year sentence, I, I think she's not going to get the full seven years.
2: I think she's going to get something mid-range, and then she'll do a percentage of yeah. that, obviously. I want to, want to know who's going to reimburse the government for all the resources that it costs to put out the manhunt. That's what I would... I'm sure maybe the she'll write a of book of New York... And, or
1: maybe she'll write a book, and then the prosecution will take some of that money and, and pay the government well, back. that's a good idea of what to do with all her right. time. Tweet us, please, and let us know what you think about, should you know, should, should happen to Joyce Mitchell come September 28th at her sentencing. What do you you think is a fair sentence for her and what do you think the judge should consider in sentencing her you can tweet chelsea at chelsea galicia and me at azari law all right just a quick announcement be- before i turn it over to chelsea for the second half of the show um and i'm going to talk about football <laughs> last football season draftkings.com crowned more millionaires than any other one week fantasy sports site anywhere. Um, and this season, the prizes are even bigger. So you could start the season by winning two million dollars. It's the biggest fantasy football contest ever, you guys. Okay. Ten million dollars in prizes are up for grabs, including two million for first place and one million for second place. One week fantasy means no season long commitments. So in, 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 in other words, you can play where you want, when you want with the players of your choice. Um, You've never experienced football like this one. Just pick your players, pile up the points, and pick up your cash, and that's all you need to do. This isn't fantasy as usual. This is draft. Kings. Welcome to the big time. All right. So King, uh, bl- uh, hurry to DraftKings.com now and use promo code Black, B-L-A-C-K to play free for a shot at the $2 million top prize. Again, enter Black, B-L-A-C-K for free entry now at DraftKings.com. That's DraftKings.com. Thank you. All right. All
2: right. Turn right. it over to Chelsea. Okay. Thank you. So uh, this is a, a sad case all around. So we're talking about the case of Michelle Carter who was 17 years old when she had a long distance boyfriend who was 18 years old, who had a history of depression and a suicide attempt, who ultimately did kill himself. Uh, And right before or along the way, she, uh, the 17 year old girlfriend, encouraged him continuously to go through with the suicide, even up in the moments right before he succeeded in doing it. He did it by um, carbon monoxide poisoning in the car. Mm-hmm. At one point, he had begun to beco- get poisoned, and then he jumped out of the car and called her, and she was basically said, what are you doing? Get back in there. I'm not sure if actually it was a call or a text message, but basically she said, get back in there. Go through with this. Um, don't live like this anymore. You're going to be free and happy when you die. And so he did. He got back in the car and and, and he died. So now she is on trial for involuntary manslaughter. And does uh, the
1: trial begun? I don't think so. I it, think she's just charged with involuntary manslaughter. All right. So yeah. I, I, yeah.
2: I wonder if it'll but she actually is gonna go. go to trial. I think she's going to go to trial. Yeah, I, I do too. Um, here's the thing. is Maybe... Uh, I've been spending too much time with my co-host now where I see this entirely through the eyes of a defense attorney. <laughs> uh, involuntary manslaughter, when I think of that, I usually think of things like um, drunk driving that kills somebody. Something where you are doing something that you have sort of a right to do, but it can be done in a dangerous fashion. Driving recklessly, driving drunk, and then you take somebody else's life. Some type of conduct. Without right. your right. intending to do so. Right. So in this case... She did not participate in the actual gathering mm-hmm. of the things that he used to kill himself, mm-hmm. but uh, she encouraged him to do it. Although she would say that at some point uh, she did try and tell him to get help, and he just said, "It's too late for me." Get uh,
1: help from her mental
2: health facility where she was getting help. That was a nice, right? Yeah, yeah. and and she, we can't even. I I don't say. Legally, we can't fault her. Maybe personally, we want to fault her for not going to parents, teachers, police, and, and saying something. But the truth is, she doesn't actually have a duty to do that. She's not a mental health professional. She's not a doctor. She's not a police officer. She's not a teacher who has to report things where a, a child might hurt themselves or somebody else. Mm-hmm. So I don't see where she acted criminally. Now, if we had, uh, let's say, bullying, harassment texting laws. Maybe this could be a form of that, but involuntary manslaughter is just way too uh, far out there, I think, for this to stand a chance. I'm wondering, do you think that there's any charge that she could be convicted of? Well, I think uh, I have
1: two things to say about this case. One is the the legal charge and the, what she's facing legally and then just my opinion of her in general. Um, legally speaking, the, the only appropriate charge is involuntary manslaughter, although I think it's going to be a huge challenge for the prosecution to, to, um, uh, prove their case. And the reason is, you know, the defense is claiming this is First Amendment speech, it's protected speech. There is an exception under the First Amendment under Brandenburg versus Ohio, which I'm sure you remember from law school. It's the incitement uh, exception, which means that if, however, you're inciting someone to engage in unlawful activities, such as taking away their life, then that's an exception to your speech and it's not protected speech. Right. Um, so I have an issue with what the defense attorneys saying in terms of the First Amendment argument. But aside from that, in terms of involuntary manslaughter, yes, involuntary manslaughter is the negligent, unintentional, I should say, Um of another human being where you don't need to have malice aforethought like you would for murder. And so a classic and most recent example of it would be Dr. Conrad Murray, who was found guilty of the death of Michael Jackson because he left him unattended on an IV of propofol and was talking to his girlfriend, doing all kinds of things. And and Michael Jackson died in his care. So, you know, he didn't intend for Michael Jackson to die, but he died. And so he got the maximum sentence in California, which was four years for involuntary manslaughter. Another example that's closer in factually to this case would be Dr. Kevorkian, who was doing assisted suicides. You know, she's not, like Chelsea said, she's not physically assisting this guy to take his own life, but it is really, I have a, and this is where I go into my personal opinion of her. And I can, cons- I consider her a black widow. Um, this is where, I mean, she's really gone overboard she taunts this guy she badgers the guy it was horrifying when i read these text messages because she doesn't even let him for a minute come is the minute he wants to come off the topic she brings him right back on track on suicide track and 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 it's almost like um you know there's a disorder called called munchausen by proxy syndrome where the parent or the caregiver um ...fakes an, uh, an illness in the child. It's also called medical abuse syndrome. Uh, or Yeah, medical abuse syndrome. And, and even though the age difference between these two is not like a caregiver and a child... ...she has this sort of authority over him. It seems like from the text that sh- she is his go-to person. Um, and she just keeps pushing him. She's determined in his pursuit and her pursuit of him. And um, and it's horrifying that, that she wants this guy... Absolutely to do this. Even in the moments where he's changing his mind, like right before, right when he got out of the car, she's like, get back in the car and finish this. And so, this should be a crime. It this should, should be, be a crime, absolutely. and 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 I don't know. I mean, I I'm I'm a I'm I'm a defense attorney, and I obviously my job is to defend people, including her. But um, this well, is so not been hired by her. But people like her. Yeah, but I mean, I people like her. But I mean, I I'm really horrified by these set of facts, and I feel like, and you know what, she did it all for attention, just like in Munchauser by by proxy, you do it for medical attention and sympathy. And and you do it to sort of be able to deceive the medical community about the illness of your child. For the same reason, she wants the attention of her friends and family. She goes right on Twitter and talks about what a beautiful life and light she lost. Four months later, happy birthday, I miss you so much. You know, um, has a fundraiser for suicide prevention. She is die. It's all about her. She wants all this attention. And to me, this is so disgusting and sadist and... and um
2: beyond yeah I mean, I absolutely know. should be and I, I think if there was ever a a law against um like social media bullying text message bullying that this should be a form of bullying even though they were in a like a, a, a romantic relationship. They already saw each other, though. You know? Right, but their their relationship could, was that of boyfriend-girlfriend. Sure. So it's not in the traditional sense like a bully, some per boyfriend, buddy Boyfriend-girlfriend
1: and almost like she was his confidant. She was his everything and that he would text her all the time and she was like, do this, do this, why didn't you do this? And she would almost like emasculate him. You know, like, what
2: do you mean you didn't do this? You said you were going to do, you promised to do it. Well, <laughs> if that was against the law, a lot of women would be sitting in jail. So I don't know if we should... Cur- <laughs> That. Maybe we but, shouldn't go there, but definitely something that would amount to—I mean, this amounts to civilly <laughs> funny. Uh, intentional infliction of emotional distress, right? Right? Is there a criminal <laughs> equivalent to that? She can't let that one go. I think somebody's guilty here of emasculating men. I'm better stop right now. She's about to cry her makeup off. All right. Next story. Why don't you tweet us and tell us what you think about? It. <laughs> if 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 women emasculating men should be a crime that's our story <laughs> she's going to get it together but before that actually here's another funny story this one is only funny because i don't i can't take this guy seriously damon Waynes goes on a radio show and claims that the rape allegations against bill cosby are Basically a hoax a money hustle by unrapeable women. That's a new vocabulary word. <laughs> <laughs> right. And even when one of the co-hosts on that radio show goes, hey, dude, this happened a long time ago. Maybe they were hot when they were young. And he was like, uh-uh, they, uh-uh, were, yeah, never they were never hot, hot enough to rape. No. And so I love that word, though. unrapeable.
1: It's like, I would never say that to a prosecutor because I could never get what I want. But unrapeable.
2: It's like, I just love that that's a word now. I can't, you know? can't believe that. Right, anyway, go either. ahead. So I, I was looking to see whether he had any logic, any knowledge of any facts in saying this thing so i listened to the interview and within i don't know two minutes i already cannot take this guy seriously at all maybe it's why he was good at in living color but he has no critical yeah so the very beginning he was taught of this interview he was uh, asked about why he stopped performing apparently he had Mm. a complication with his diabetes and one of the co-hosts asked him what's diabetes and he says Well, my understanding or my belief is that it's a circulation problem, and it happens if you don't move. So in my mind, I'm thinking, so does he think if you, like, get up and do the hokey-pokey that you can move around and that'll create the circulation in your feet that you need in order to overcome diabetes? No, that's not even close. Diabetes is a sugar problem. Right. Um, and, and it was funny. He says, well, all I eat paleo now, so I don't have any sugar. All I eat are vegetables and protein. Mm -hmm. Well, sorry, dude, but vegetables are actually sugar, but they're good sugar because they got other things with them, fiber, fiber et cetera, yeah. So cetera. So it, you can't say, I don't eat sugar, and then say, I eat vegetables. It's just, well, he's very he's not- misinformed. Yeah. So he's got no logic and very little... Um, I I don't know, intelligence about something. I mean, if I had diabetes, I would try and become like an expert on diabetes and to try and educate myself and the public. But for him to say something so ludicrous, I couldn't take him seriously for anything he said after that. It is clear he has not read any of the the allegations, heard any of the stories. He just kind of dismisses the whole thing. So I don't think he should be. He has
1: some good advice for Bill Cosby. He says, why don't you divorce your wife? Uh Uh-huh. Wink, wink. Give her all the money so that you're judgment proof and then go go do these depositions and tell the truth. And tell the truth, by the way, means that you really had legitimate relationships with all 51 women. Here's what I have to say about this. You know, I um, defend a lot of sexual assault cases and I'm very, very um, skeptical about what victims have to say. Nine out of ten times I'm able to prove that they're lying. But, you know, in a court of public opinion, not in a court of law, these women don't have relationships with one another. There's no evidence of collusion that they got together and came up with stories. Their stories are all really pretty much the same of drugging and being raped. And there are 51 of them. And meanwhile, Bill Cosby has done nothing to cross-examine them aggressively and prove that they're lying. He just once in a while sends messages through his legal team that it's not true. But he's he himself has sat back silently. So... From a public opinion perspective, I have to say that I think he's responsible for these acts. Um, at least most of these acts he's responsible for. Um, Damon Wayne's, however... Um, he's entitled to his opinion. Uh, he is a comedian. I happen to like him. I, I like the unfiltered sense of humor that he has. I think there's a few, only a few comedians we've seen who have that sort of raw, unfiltered, you know, and they just say whatever they think and they should be allowed to say whatever they yeah. think. I mean, it was, I think he was dead serious, but I think it was funny as hell. I mean, unrapeable to me. I was just dying right here, uh, hysterically. Unless
2: you're one of those 50 women. That's no, no, but so he did. And
1: actually, of course. And I think it's very crude and offensive. And he did say, oh, by the way, if you truly were a victim of, of sexual assault, my heart goes out to you. I just don't believe these women. Um, he's, well, he said and he's maybe also, some of them are. And, you know, i um, by the right. way, on the, on the unrapeable note, you know, rape is not a crime about sex. It's a crime of, of violence. It's a crime of force and power. And it's not about being attractive. The ugliest woman can be raped and is raped. And so, That's that was a little all right. I mean, it's funny, but you know, in reality, it doesn't matter what they look like. And he also had a point, you know, that back in the day, these drugs were the feel good, get in the mood kind of thing people would you know sex drugs and rock and roll right the 60s and 70s Oh,
2: we can say that about he, any era you no know,
1: but i mean he's saying look you want it you know he's saying you i mean i'm not even going to repeat the words he uses but he basically says you bitches wanted to take these drugs and have a good time and but you want you had a relationship but this with is why
2: i'm saying he didn't read any of the stories because most no, of the women even if he did he's entitled to not believe them
1: you and I are entitled to believe them. From a different, we come from a different perspective. Maybe our
2: ability to analyze, you know, what people say—that's my thing—is that he has done no analysis. He hasn't looked at the story. Uh, from what I can tell, mm-hmm. he really hasn't looked at this. He just has probably looked very superficially at this and just come out with this defense he's of still, Bill Cosby. Yeah,
1: he's still entitled to his opinion. And I think I think that he's not coming out and saying, "Look, I'm a legal expert,
2: and this is how I break I'm it more down." I'm offended by what he said about diabetes. That's more dangerous. There are thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of people affected by diabetes, and people are thinking that if you just do a little shake here, move, move, it's a circulation problem. I mean, that is what was more offensive to me than what he thinks about Bill Cosby, but yes, he's entitled to his opinion. And
1: by the way, you know, as as a defendant, you're always, you're under attack by everyone. I always tell my clients, look, I'm your only friend. We're a team, and I'm your only friend because nobody's really looking after you in this equation. And, you know, you got to think that Bill Cosby has been, I mean, under attack for several months by the women, by Gloria Allred, by
2: the media. But where by- is that Gloria Allred deposition? Is that Are we going to be able to see that anytime soon? Because oh, it was yeah, supposed to happen by the end of this month, I thought. Yeah, and so, you know, I mean, he's been under attack, so
1: maybe Wayne's is just... Going okay. Let me be the one guy who's going to
2: stand up as as a, as a celebrity. That's giving him way too much. Credit. No, but I as don't a celebrity too,
1: I think it's it's understandable where you say you know women women always try to come after you because you know
2: because of your money. So but there is. Then he said he was asked if this ever happened to him, and he said no. Right. So it's not just everybody who has money is is accused of rape because he's got money. Right. It hasn't happened to him. Right. So I I, I don't think he thought that critically.
1: All right. So um, we. Are curious what your thoughts are about uh, Wayne's comments um, on Bill Cosby. Um, was it offensive to you? Do you think there's that he's entitled to this opinion? What do you think about a comedian's? Right to voice this, of course, he's been attacked on Twitter and social media, but that's what he's asked for. Um, you say something like this, you're going to be under fire. But what are your thoughts on on generally on this statement and um, the ability, you know, so the freedom of of speech when it comes to specifically a comedian and his sense of humor? Um, what are your thoughts on that? So tweet at Chelsea Galicia or at azari law and that brings us to the close of today's episode of justice is served we thank you so much for tuning in and we look forward to seeing you next week i will not be here chelsea and bj will be holding down the fort but we look forward to seeing you right here next week on justice is served thank you
0: from executives kevin undergaro dario Kristen tiana hobson and the entire BHL staff